Hey, Albert here from the Moto Academy. This is another episode of the number one podcast in motocross, by far, to be quite honest. And this is my second ever solo episode. Apparently, according to your guys' feedback, I was firing on all syllables for the last one. I'm going to be quite honest, didn't watch it back. So I don't remember what I talked about. I spoke for an hour on who knows what. But this time we got some questions from you guys. We've got my Think and Grow Rich book here, which I haven't read this in, I don't know, probably a month and a half. So maybe I'll do some skimming through here. One thing I've been thinking about lately is I've been reading three books simultaneously. One book before I go to bed at night, another book when I wake up in the morning, one book when I travel. One of those three is always a repeat. So I'll be reading two new ones and one for at least the second time, sometimes three, four, five, depending on what it is. Think and Grow Rich, I've read definitely more than 10 times at this point. So I will always keep one in circulation that I'm reading past the first time and then two new ones. Um, don't know why I was talking about that, to be quite honest. So make sure you guys send in your podcast questions to... Get in the app, first of all, for gosh sakes, if you're listening to this podcast and you like listening to this podcast and you want to watch full episodes, go to club.themotoacademy.com and subscribe to the Moto Academy app. That's the only place you could watch full episodes. Not only that, but that's the only place where you can have access to send in your video submissions, your questions. So thank you guys for uh, a bunch of new faces still. Definitely some repeat offenders. We got premix pops in the house. We've got Real GP holding down the fort, of course, but a ton of new faces popping in. I love seeing that. I love seeing the creativity in the videos. We've got some great ones from Dicks and Balls. Um, just some killer people inside the app. So get in there, submit your videos to the podcast questions account inside of the Moto Academy app. When you get in there, that will all make sense. Um, you know what I'm going to do really quick, actually? Oh, hold on a second. I just clicked into the app. I forgot. I just picked a trip winner. We just picked another trip winner for the Moto Academy, Christian from the Netherlands. Congratulations, Christian, on winning. It's been a few giveaways since we picked somebody from that wasn't in the U.S., so I'm glad that we can continue to stay global with it. Hopefully, you can make it. I apologize we don't give you guys more notice, but I can't wait to have you, and can't wait to have you just the initiation process to getting inside the Moto Academy family uh, when you win one of these trip giveaways. It's rigorous. You've got you've got to deal with Jackson. Uh, you've got to deal with driver Jamie. You've got to deal with myself, Tony, HR Hannah, Alley Cat, Doug, Grant, Eckhart, cameraman Cam. Every time I announce the team, I always feel like I forget one person at least. But everybody's going to be there. So it's going to be a blast of a trip. That's going to be a Tomahawk MX. It's going to be part of our Tomahawk takeover, which would be super cool. Uh, a couple of shout outs before I dive into this episode. This is important. I feel like the people that listen to the end, they need a shout out. They need a shout out. Let's see here. So the last podcast that went up, Zachary Silvestri. I say your name different every single time. I apologize. Uh, I've been seeing him at MX. 23 and 508 in Massachusetts. We've been doing some riding together, which is awesome. Moto X Gym, shout out. Dirt Bike Dave, shout out. Premix Pops, Dr. Cowie Ryan, who is also one of our trip winners. Mike and Andrew, AJ's Finger Guns, 
thin retinas. Eric Riley. Yeeted and deleted ball. 328. Mind Moto. Vernon K17. Two stroke Trisket. KTM is the best. Grab some ozone. So many crazy usernames in here. Slayhu. Local C Class Hero. Here for the t shirt. Shout out. Putter. Dawson 401, of course. He's listening to the end. Better believe that. Chicken King. Alfred. Uh, Tyson and Dad. Shoot. Whole heck of a lot of shout outs. Uh, but there's a lot of people listening to the end of these podcasts for some reason. And I appreciate you guys. So thank you. Okay, we're going to dive right into questions because I'm sure this will get me just talking about a whole bunch of nonsense anyway. So, um, all right, Noah, 97, what do we got? Hey, AJ. So my dog just got fixed and he's wearing the cone of shame. I was just wondering, in your opinion, do you think he's going to be extremely hyper when the comb comes off? Or do you think that he's going to be extremely behaved because he's terrified of the cone getting put back on? Thanks. Man. The cone of shame. The cone of shame. Doug has had the cone of shame once upon a time when uh, he lost his cojones. R.I.P. And... He didn't deal with it well. Oh, also, he got he got his paw ran over by a car. Shout out Chad at Tomahawk. And <laughs> broke his hand, broke his paw, and was in a cone of shame for that. Didn't work either time. He was able to get it off every single time. My guess is your pup is probably going to be a little depressed wearing that thing. So, yeah, maybe they'll be extra excited when they take it off. Uh, Doug was just, he was like Houdini. He would just slip his way out of that thing every single time. No idea how. No idea how. And not only that, he would slip his way out of it, and then he would eat his cast off, and it would cost us like 500 bucks every time he did it, and he kept doing it over and over and over. So shout out, Doug. Much appreciated. That was an ex- that was expensive. That was really expensive. All right, we got Dirt Bike Dave in the house with a question. Hey, AJ. Um, Just a quick one here for the podcast questions. Do you have any advice for uh, older guys getting back into the sport um, as far as physical, you know, like maybe uh, how to work out and then also, you know, obviously training on the bike? Uh, I think as older people, it's a little bit different for us because we don't have the time that uh, maybe the younger people have is when it comes to life events and things like that getting in the way. And um, also when you train hard, <laughs> the recovery is not as easy. And sometimes you end up getting injured trying to get better. So if you could maybe like do something like that, address that with uh, your thoughts. Thanks. Dirtbike Dave, good question. And I was kind of having this conversation with my dad the other day. My dad is 69 years old. 69 years old. That's crazy to even say. And he works out like an absolute complete maniac. And he is sore every day. And he's asking me like, man, my, my, you know, my shoulder really hurts today. My back hurts pretty bad. My, yeah, I'm really, I'm sore. And then I ask what, well, okay, what do you do? What's your day look like? Well, uh, for my warm up this morning, I did, uh, did some planks. All right. Well, yeah. What did that look like? How many did you do? So I did three sets. Um, I took a minute break in between I'm like, okay, that's a short break. And I did three 10 minute sets. Huh? 10 minute sets 
three of them with a minute break in between of planks at 69 years old. First of all, that is absolutely incredible. He's got to be one of the most fit 69-year-olds I've ever heard of in my entire life. That's insane. I could only do like a three-minute plank if I'm lucky. But the moral of that story, that's how he warmed up, by the way. The moral of that story is my advice immediately was, all right, that's insane. But that's obviously way too much. Like you should be doing hot yoga, probably swimming, low impact activities. And I'm not talking just for old people. I'm talking for most people. Keep it low impact. Riding the dirt bike, the dirt bike is high impact enough. Find a low impact activity that's going to strengthen and stretch at the same time. Hot yoga is a great one. Um, you burn a lot of calories because you're sweating like nobody's business. Um, it keeps you pliable so you can be stretching your muscles. And also it teaches you how to breathe when you're in uncomfortable positions. And it teaches you how to be present in the moment to kind of get through that 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half, whatever that yoga session is. That's a great one. When I tore my ACL, I did yoga for, I think, like three months, three months in my recovery. And I was doing it every single day. And I don't know why I don't do it now because I, I loved it. So yoga is a great one. Go on YouTube, type in foundation training. There's videos from a guy named Eric Goodman that are awesome. It's almost yoga-esque, no weights required. You can do it right next to your bed when you get up in the morning, right before you go to bed at night. And it's super short. It takes, you know, 10 to 12 minutes. And same thing, strengthens and stretches all the right muscle groups, low impact. It helps with lower back pain. That's a great one. Swimming is a good one if you have access to doing that. Low impact activities that don't have to seem extra crazy strenuous, just more so functional and intentional, I believe is way more important. Even at 30 years old, if I bust my butt in the gym doing a bunch of unnecessary, crazy, heavy stuff or too many reps, I am going to be sore for too long. I went from not getting sore at all at age 28 to getting sore for, you know, a day, maybe two days when I was 29, now 30. And especially at 30, having taken some time off of working out for a little while before I got back into it, I was sore for a week. I was literally sore for seven days straight and it would not go away. It was insane. And that's not really, <laughs> that's not really productive. That just eats into time that you can be productive and be working on getting stronger and stronger. So yeah, my advice, long story short, long story long, would be keep it low impact. Yoga is a great one. Try it if you haven't already. I promise it's awesome. Um, and if you are going to the gym, hop on a bicycle for a little bit. Get the heart rate up. Um, the foundation training one is a great one. And when you get on the dirt bike, just don't overdo it. The stand-up drill is a great one. If you don't have much time to get to the gym and you're trying to use riding moto as your workout, do 10-minute stand-up set on the bike. And that's a great solution also. Uh, great great question, Dirt Bike Dave. All right, what do we got here? Adam's 86. What's up, guys? Damien here. Uh, finally getting my first question in for the podcast. But I wanted to ask, uh, what's your thoughts on riding or, say, training on a 450 um, and then moving back to a 250 for racing and things like that? Do you see benefits in training on a 450? Do you believe that it might make you a lazier rider? Do you believe it makes you better on a 250? Um, I've always had my own mixed thoughts and opinions um, and just love to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, shout out to cameraman Cam and driver Jamie and everyone else there. I uh, really love what you guys are doing. 
Um, big fan from over here in Oz, and hope you guys are all well. Thanks, guys. Very cool. Great question. Thank you, Damien. Shout out Australia. Shout out Australia and also driver Jamie while we're at it. Why not? Uh, my opinion changes on that all the time. And I guess my opinion on it would be you need to be supplementing whatever your weakness is for that time period. So right now I'm training on a 450. It's so cold in this van. It's unbelievable. Couldn't figure out how to. I don't know if that unit has heat or not. Looks like it would. Right now I'm training on a 450. Just got a four, Honda 450 uh, about a month ago and I've been riding it two to three times a week, doing 30 minute motos, feeling quite good. Feeling quite good, honestly. What it's helped me with is being able to do the longer tempo motos without feeling like I'm completely destroying a 250 is quite nice. Uh, but being able to do those tempo motos at a good pace and with a little bit less maybe energy exertion Riding the 250, the smaller bike you get onto, the more physical it's going to be as far as having to like muscle the thing around and really be working that bike. The 450 is physical just because it's a lot of weight behind it. So if you get out of shape, you got to really use your muscles to bring that thing back. But if you ride it the right way, it's, it's, not, it's not super physical, at least not the way I've been riding the last few weeks. I've been kind of hanging out right in that 75% zone and going pretty fast. The last day that I rode MX-23, I did a moto with Ben Kelly, pro off-road racer, rides for KTM. He's from Connecticut. I think he lives in one of the Carolinas right now. Super nice kid. I never met him before. Of course, I had heard of him. And I was out there in one of my 30s and he was, I, all I, I didn't know he was there yet. And I always am looking around the track just to make sure at a public track that I'm not catching up to anybody too quickly or I'm not going to land on anybody. I'm just always scanning ahead. And all of a sudden, this KTM catches my attention. And first couple laps, I'm pulling from him, but not a ton. Like, he's staying close enough to where I'm like, who is that? And then he starts staying my same speed for a little bit because he must have got out there for a few laps, got warmed up, and then was at my speed. And I'm like, all right, what's going on here? So I start going faster because I have some random guy that I see from across the track is keeping up with me. And then I end up pulling away, but a little bit to the point where, okay, who is this guy? This guy's fast. Turns out it's Ben Kelly. So that makes sense. We did our next, I went up, introduced myself. He's going to hopefully be involved in some Moto Academy stuff, which would be awesome. Really trying to dive more into off-road. And uh, Ben would be a great person for it. Seems like a really nice kid. Hopefully can articulate well. He had good technique because I was able to watch him a little bit. We did the second moto, our second 30, we did together. And he was my same exact speed. And we kept doing this. A little faster, little fat. I'm stuck under my mic, unreal. Little faster, little faster, little fa And just, we were spotting each other on the track. And I think we were doing it at the same point because we would kind of cross each other at one point. And we were the same exact speed, essentially. Maybe I caught him a couple laps. He caught me a couple laps. But we stayed just about in the same exact spot. And I, for that moto, I bumped it up to, I definitely bumped it up to like 90%, which for me is is getting up there. I was pushing pretty hard. Then they started watering the track. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is getting a little dangerous. And then the sun started going down behind the trees a little bit. And so the light was like bouncing and creating crazy shadows. Couldn't see half the track. And uh, yeah, sure enough, I ended up, now we're getting real off topic, but I ended up washing the front a little bit and it kind of washed and caught 
and it was a section where I was having to get back to the right side of the track where there was a roller. You could go to the left and avoid the roller. But the line I was doing, I was going up over the roller. So I washed, caught, and it was set me on a trajectory to where I was like halfway in between the roller and the not roller to where I was going to catch the edge of it. And I'm like, oh, crap. But there was not, I was going so fast and there wasn't really much I could do at that point. So I just tried to stand the bike up more to avoid the foot peg catching in it, kicking me. And when I did that, it just aimed me completely off the track. And now I'm heading towards just a pond, a pond and a big old sprinkler head and couldn't do anything about it. Went straight into the sprinkler head. My bike got stuck in it upside down with the front brake cable wrapped around it. Thankfully, the sprinkler had stopped my bike from going into the pond. So that was nice. But my body went straight over the bike into the pond. It was a good crash. We got it on GoPro. So it's going to be out on YouTube hopefully pretty soon. And I'm sure it looks funny. I don't crash often at all, especially that was, you know, a good one. But I landed right in water. So that's if you're going to crash, find some water, uh, find a soft spot. And we did that. So that was good. But that was my first time kind of pushing a little bit. Um, if you are supplementing for the 450, yes, it can make you lazy if you ride it for too long. It can make you uh, leave it in gears when you should be used to shifting. And then when you drop back down to the 250, you're like, oh, my God, I got to shift this thing 20 times more per lap. Uh, but what is that noise? Somebody's just starting a race car. Oh, man. Uh, what the heck was I talking about? Riding a 250, you, it helps with, uh, aggression. Cause you got to ride it harder, just like a 125. You've got to shift it more. You've got to be more precise with carrying momentum. But what the 450 for me does is it allows me to feel like I'm charging less, so to speak, so that I could really, really heavy focus on technique, heavy focus on technique. When you guys watch the videos coming out, uh, of me riding, I've been getting a ton of riding in. When you watch these videos come out, I feel like I look pretty good on the bike right now. And I, I want to say part of that reason is because I'm on that 450, just 30% RPM, barely on the throttle and still able to get good lap times, but just straight up technique focus. So again, long story long, if you're going to supplement, uh, supplement. I, I would say you don't spend too much time on one or the other. Go back and forth as frequently as you can. It's great practice. Same thing when a kid's going from a 65 to an 85. Switch it up. My dad would keep me on the, the little bikes as long as possible. So I was huge, humongous on a, on a Cowie 65. In fact, I was tech, tech 10 size 10 boot and an Alpine Star boot. That's what I would wear now. And I was riding a 65 and 85 at the same time. I'm sure once upon a time, there was a, a point where I liked the 65 more than the 85. I didn't want to mess with the 85. And then when it switches, you get to the point where you like the 85 and you don't want to mess with the 65. But learning to bounce back and forth between the two is great bike skill. Teaches you how to adapt, how to figure out your shifting points quickly, how to adapt your body position to a different size bike. Uh, the 250 to 450 difference isn't as extreme, but it's just an example of it's, it's helpful. I switch bikes so frequently because I'm always hopping on random students' bikes that I've learned to just adapt really quick, which, uh, which is good. All right. We got another question. Loki, 
Loki too. Hey guys, how are we? Um, just a quick question about jumping. So I've been watching flat out all your jump progression videos and everything like that. Um, and I've got a few jumps that I'm very comfortable in and just working up, working on my technique, things like that. Um, build myself up, like clearing them, I'm starting to soak up, things like that, getting a little bit of a scrub happening, things like that. The only thing that I'm trying to work on but I just can't quite seem to get is hitting off throttle. I've got no problem getting plenty of speed well ahead of time, um, but if I, as soon as I roll off the throttle, going up the ramp, I end up just nose diving and then getting a big old panic rev happening, um, trying to level out the bike. So, yeah, is there anything, do you have to sort of hang back a little bit further to counteract that, or, yeah, what's the go? Just a few tips on that, would really appreciate it. Thanks, guys, enjoy. Great question. So, this is tricky because this is definitely, you know, case-by-case -case basis, this is situational. But what I will say a few things here, if he's talking about approaching a jump in the situations where you can kind of coast the takeoff because you have that much speed. As a pro... That happens a lot, kind of. Uh, the way I explain it to people is when they ask me what gear do I hit something in, I just I could tell them what gear, but I essentially just say I just hit it as fast as my bike will go. doesn't matter how big or small the jump is, I hit it as fast as my bike will go. And then I soak up and I scrub accordingly. So in the soak up and scrub circumstances, you are uh, either breaking going up a jump face sometimes, or sometimes you are actually coasting the takeoff. You've gotta be going way, first of all, way faster than your normal speed to do the jump if you're going to be trying to to coast going off the face. So I, that's step one. Step two is probably also a gear taller because what you want to avoid is in the approach and if you're going to coast the takeoff, you don't want engine brake to happen. So if you're on if you're screaming those RPMs, then you go to cut throttle and let's say third gear, that bike might rev up a little bit, weight you down, and then you're going to get that endo effect when you take off. You want to make sure it's in a gear to where it will freewheel a little bit and carry through. So if you know, going up to fourth would be helpful. Uh, also, it depends quite a bit on the style of the jump face. There's going to be some jump faces that are maybe really short and steep, like too much vert for how short of a takeoff it is. You see that all the time. That's not the type of jump that you can just cut the throttle on. You're going to get kicked over the front you would need more of like a ski jump style ramp takeoff that's a little bit more fluid and flowing, less sharp of a transition to do that. Uh, so you just have to be careful of the circumstance. What I'd recommend doing, this is why the app is so important. Somebody like that asking a question that is case by case, I would just say send in a video of you doing it, right? Or send in a video of the jump that you've been trying it on, but it doesn't feel right on. And I'll be able to tell you in two seconds what you should do for that specific jump. For most people listening to this, smooth, consistent throttle is what you want to implement as much as possible. But then when you get to a higher level, you're going to learn the you know soak up and scrub technique, and you're going to learn the preload and seat bounce technique, both, which, both of which require different types of throttle. So a soak up and a scrub would require typically off throttle and then sometimes even braking. And then a preload or a seat bounce would require ramping up the RPMs, like almost think of it as a graph. So as you're going up the jump face, the RPMs are going up, 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 up to match the steepness of the jump face uh, to try to create as much compression and rebound as possible. So uh, 
that's why you have to be so careful in progressing on jumps because there are quite a few variables. Uh, you can learn how to jump one way and then you're going to get to certain obstacles where you've got to implement the, the preload or the soak up to be able to not get a crazy kick. And it's hard to know at first when to do what. Uh, but great question. Great question. All right, we got another one from him actually. And before, I don't want to not answer. Hey guys, how's it going? Lockie here from the land down under. Um, quick one about riding footage today. Um, just after some tips, tricks, things like that, do's and don'ts, what do you like to see, what's easy to analyze, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I just want to get some good videos to send to you so you can pick on all my little things I'm doing wrong, um, which is, I think there's a few. Um, yeah, but just what do you like to see, what do you want to see, um, yeah, just so I can get some good riding footage to you and for everyone else, you know, that might, might be thinking the same thing or maybe it's just me. Um, yeah, anyway. Much appreciated if you could answer that for me and yeah, we'll get some to you. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Australian's ac accents crack me up. Okay, so great question and actually appropriate because I was just kind of talking about that. So if you're going to send quite... Uh, if you're going to send in footage to me inside of the app, which I highly recommend you do, if you're in this app, uh, if you're just listening and you want to get inside the app, leveraging the fact that you could send me direct messages and send me your riding footage is huge. I mean, if you want to talk about how to really leverage and and get the most out of that $20 a month, then that is, that is absolutely how you do it. It's a one-on-one -on -one lesson, essentially. So uh, the key is shorter videos, I usually say, you know, 15 seconds or less. It doesn't have to be long at all. I've, obviously, keeping the person in frame is helpful. I get a lot of videos from mom and dad being sent in that, holy cow, they seem to just, just this way. And then also the rider comes by and now they're behind the frame and they catch up. So try to keep the person in frame. Definitely helpful. Um, and honestly, that's about it. First person even works if you have GoPro. It's obviously harder to tell what's going on coming from a, a like a pov gopro some people send videos from forever far away and i got to break out the binoculars and the magnifying glass but i'm pretty good at it at this point i i can i can figure out what's going on with just about anything but yeah you know within 50 feet of the person awesome 10 second video and whatever you're struggling with. So if it's that jump face that you're coming into, it could just very well just be a five second video of you coming in and taking off. And I would be able to give you a, a one minute answer on that of exactly what you would need to do to fix it. So, um, and it's good for you to be able to review after the fact without having to watch a seven minute video of nothing, right? All right, we're just firing through these D Wilson 16. Dane, let the dog in. Yes, ma'am. Molly, what's this? AJ Cat Zero is looking for some podcast questions. I've got just the one. This looks like a beautiful home, by the way. Oh. What's up, AJ? The hot Rogers. Sixteen here. Quick question for the podcast. What's your favorite Supercross track, if you have one? And what are some variables? Is it temperature, dirt, layout, fans, stadium? I know they change around a lot, but let me know. D. Wilson, 16. Unbelievably choreographed question. Even breaking out the Hot Rod jersey. Shout out Hot Rod jersey. 
That's a drag racing car is what that is. Oh my God, no wonder why it's so loud. Uh, what was this question? Oh, also, do you have a teleprompter? How did you just get that so perfect? Did you, how many tries did that take? Because that was, that looked great. That was, that was well-spoken. Everything was good. Favorite Supercross track? I'm going to have to go with St. Louis. The tracks are always different. So the, what I base it on is uh, a couple of things. And I'll tell you, tell you what it is. Dirt. St. Louis has the best dirt. There's not even a question about that. If you ask all of the riders, they will, I think all of them will say St. Louis. There are some other tracks that have great dirt too. Indy's awesome. It ruts up a, a lot, a lot, maybe sometimes too much, but I still love it. Houston has really good dirt. Minneapolis has had good dirt in the past, a little bit too tacky sometimes to where it almost feels like when I race in Germany where it's like glue. That thing is super annoying. Um, also what St. Louis has is an, a really good pit area. So it's all indoors and you can stay warm. You don't have to go outside. There's some tracks that like Minneapolis has great dirt, but you pit outside or in a tunnel and it's horrible. So it kind of, it kind of takes away from, from the experience a little bit. So yeah, good question. St. Louis. And guess what? St. Louis is on the schedule again this year. That's literally every time the Supercross schedule gets announced. That's what I look for is I, all right, St. Louis on it. Cool. And Gillette's on it too. Horrible dirt at Gillette, but very fun vibe. Um, and cool stadium. This podcast is presented by custom upfits for building this mobile podcast studio in my Mercedes Sprinter van. Shout out custom upfits. Check them out on Instagram. If you want a van build, they've got you covered. I mean, this is the sweetest van build I've ever seen in my life. And it's an awesome podcast studio. Also element. I've been drinking this stuff for a couple of years. This is an electrolyte drink uh, and it's freaking amazing. It tastes great. It has all the electrolytes you need. I was a chronic cramper. I would get Charlie horses like nobody's business. So being able to have something that I could mix consistently in my water that tasted good and natural, didn't have sugar, didn't have artificial flavors or anything like that um, and made it so I didn't cramp. This is the stuff. This really is. Go to drinklmnt.com slash ajcat330. It'll bring you to a customized landing page where you guys can try all of the flavors uh, for free when you put it in an order. And then when you put in order period after that, keep using that landing page, I guess, unless they're going to give me a promo code because I don't have a promo code yet. I just have that landing page. Drinklmnt.com slash ajcat330 try it it's the best okay we're back um my neighbor has now decided to oh you have got to be absolutely freaking kidding me he shut it off and now he has started a different one and now he's driving a different one so didn't know this thought he was just a farmer but he opened up his garage bays today and he had a couple drag cars and now he's practicing and tuning his drag car up our street. So there you have it. I'm, that must be my karma for uh, riding dirt bikes straight out of my garage. Um, oopsie daisy. All right, we're going to keep going with questions because Moto Academy peeps are just firing on all syllables. Oh, this is actually our last one. And then I'm going to ramble about nothing for a little bit. Shout out Moto X Jim. Hey, AJ, I have a tire question. Uh, I run MX-14 on the rear, MX-12 on the front and I run these tires everywhere. I don't bother switching back and forth. I have a whole other set of rims that have 33s on them, but I just choose not to run them. Should I be switching them back and forth if I go to a harder pack track? Uh, 
I've, I've run them there and I don't really find any difference, uh, especially in the areas we ride. This year has been crazy muddy. Um, so I just chose to stay with the 14 and the 12. Just want to know your thoughts on that. Thanks. Great question. Uh, interesting also, because you would think that those tires wouldn't work well at a lot of tracks, but if he's saying a lot of the other tracks he's riding, it's been muddy all season, then yeah, it's probably those sand tires are going to work really well. The MX-12 and MX-14, I think those are both sand tires. I don't know what I'm talking about. So, and what you're seeing now is there's a lot of guys in outdoors that are opting for the sand tire at tracks that you wouldn't traditionally see it in uh, in the past where, it, um, let's see, Millville, they're running the sand tires a lot. Redbud, a lot of guys ran sun, run sand tires. Um, I would say if you don't really notice a difference, but you seem to like it, to ride with what you like. Why not? My fear would be when I get to a harder pack track that I'm just going to destroy the tire. And so if you just... If you're riding anything that's kind of hard packed and marbly, which does exist in New York, where you're from, I believe, then don't run it. But I would say at some of the tracks you're riding, whether it's that sand track that Cam goes to, if you go to the Compound MX, that's definitely loamy enough where you're probably fine. Um, or if, certainly if you're riding in the mud, then yeah, sand tire isn't going to hurt. And if you're doing races, you're probably going to get a pretty darn good start with the sand tire, which is nice. Uh, thank you guys for sending in your questions. Bunch of new faces. Uh, some old faces, some OGs. Get inside the app if you're listening again and you're not inside the app yet. For gosh sakes, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I really don't know what you're doing. Uh, can I talk about a book really quick? So I mentioned it briefly at the beginning of this podcast. I've been reading a lot. I've been reading a lot for the, the last year and a half or so, and I'll never stop at this point. It's something that I didn't think I liked. I, I rediscovered it, and I'm now obsessed. And it kind of, it all happened, let me mark this page here. It all happened sort of at once as far as the motivation. So. I have a note in my phone from June. I could probably find it if I were to look from June of 2022. And I remember writing this note as I was boarding a plane. I was on the plane already, but it hadn't taken off yet. So I was still I had service. And I, it just said, buy, think and grow rich. I remember doing it, but I can't remember what the catalyst was. I must have been as I was boarding, probably watching some podcast or inspirational video and they must have mentioned it must have been somebody good and somebody that I really look up to or else I wouldn't have taken it seriously and and pulled the trigger on buying the book but I wrote that note down and then as soon as I landed that flight I ordered the book and when I it's think and grow rich so this wasn't the first copy that I had I just loved it so much that and decided that all my books need to be hardcover so I just made sure I got the hardcover version now this is the one that I've read for the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth time. So it all started with this book, Think and Grow Rich. Then the second book I read was Mindset by Carol Dweck. And when I recommend people to begin reading, I actually tell them to start with that mindset book because what the mindset book did is it taught me for whatever reason, this Think and Grow Rich book really, really resonated with me. But I didn't understand much of it, I'll be honest. I read through it, 
a lot of it was going over my head, but enough of it resonated to where, and I kind of made the decision when I sat down to read it. I said to myself, I'm going to take this book literally as if it is my Bible and it is my instruction instructions for life, basically. And I'm not going to do some of the things and then not do some of the others because I don't feel like it. I'm going to do all of the things. And I don't know why, I don't, but I just, at that time, I had that motivation to read that book in that way. So it resonated with me just enough, but I'll say I probably understood 25% of it. Then I wrote, read Mindset. Mindset, everybody listening to this podcast needs to order the book Mindset by Carol Dweck and, and read it. If you are not familiar with growth mindset and really what it is and comparing that to a fixed mindset and all of the differences, being able to recognize in yourself where your fixed mindset attributes lie and where your growth mindset attributes lie and being able to convert in, in time all of your fixed mindset ways of thinking to growth mindset, there is quite literally no option but for your life to to do a complete 180 for all of the right reasons. It it changed my life. It it completely changed my life. And now I am obsessed with learning and I am growing at a very quick rate. Now you don't have to do it the way that I'm doing it because some people just simply don't have that time available to to them at the beginning. But I am reading a lot. I've probably read I've definitely read 50 plus books in the last year. And so I'm learning at a really fast rate, which is just making my just I'm I'm growing quickly, really, really quickly. And I don't know if I'll always be able to continue at this rate of improvement necessarily, but that's irrelevant. What's really the only thing that's important is that you are improving. It doesn't matter how slowly, um, because I think and sorry if my thoughts are jumping around a bunch here, I think the unfortunate thing that happens to a lot of people is they will read their first book or I'll recommend somebody, Hey, go read, think and grow rich. And they read through it one time and they try a couple of the techniques, but there's no real persistence and there's not really a 360 full effort there. And they don't see quick results, whether they're comparing their timeline and their effectiveness to somebody else's timeline or, or whatever, measuring system they're using, but the results don't come quick enough based on the few changes that they try to imp implement. And then they're out. Then they give up uh, or they move on to a different book to which they then do the same thing. Doesn't all, doesn't fully work, doesn't work quick enough. And you move on. You kind of abort mission. I was guilty of doing that my entire professional racing career. I would set short-term goals. I would give myself way too short of a time window. And when I started nearing the end of that time window that I would give myself and knew that it was becoming more and more unrealistic that I would be able to reach that goal, the pressure would rise and my motivation would actually go the opposite direction because I just I would I would realize that it was impossible for me to accomplish it in that timeline. But if you set yourself an infinite timeline, to where you don't, there's no, and I mean, you could set dates on far out goals, three years, five years, 10 years, sure. But keep pushing those if you need to, it's fine. I think it's more important to have that vision of what you want to be ultimately. And then the goal every day is to wake up 
and chase that goal one, quite literally one step at a time, learning little bits to get better at this little thing, learning a little bit over here to get better at this thing. And you just start chipping away at it, chipping away at it. It might take six months. It might take a year. It may, might take 20 years. But what happens along the way, and this is, you cannot be one that is looking for instant gratification because you're just not going to get it. But along the way, you can take moments, and I do this all of the time, to really be present and check in. I, and I work on being present all the time. But where you just reflect on what you've been able to accomplish and think about kind of where you're at, reassess your target, look out into the future and kind of work on that vision, make that goal a little bit more crystal clear, add some things to it, tweak some things around if you want to, make it bigger if you need to. And then in doing so, just kind of check in with what you have been able to accomplish up until that point. And what I've realized is that when I do this every month, every couple of months, I'm like, holy crap, I, I've been able to do this and I've done this and I've partnered with this person. And it's mind blowing to me that as I'm just caught up in the present moment of just chipping away at it, chipping away at it, chipping away at it. And then when I take a second to kind of sit there and look around and think about what, what I've done, it's if you asked me four years ago, I would have said I would have laughed at you. That's quick in three and a half you know, four years, I have done more than I ever, ever thought I would. And what's cool, why I'm so passionate about this is anybody can do it. Anybody can learn to think the way that I'm beginning to learn uh, in kind of becoming the, the person that I'm becoming. Everybody's capable. Everybody is capable. You just need to be, you need to have a few qualities, one of which is, is persistence. But, uh, Really quick on Think and Grow Rich. Order this book also. I know I told, just told you to order Mindset. Also order Think and Grow Rich. Don't tell me it's too expensive. It's less than $20. Order it. I don't care how little money you make, how much money you make. Order this book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Read it. Take your time reading it or read it fast. Don't take your time too much. You should be able to read it in a week to two weeks. Ideally, probably faster than that, but read it in a week. Expect to understand very little. Don't have pressure. And when you read it, trying to force understanding and force yourself to understand what the heck you're reading. Just read it with an open mind. I think that's important. Read it with an open mind and read it with the idea that you're going to turn this book, Think and Grow Rich, into your instruction manual for how you're going to live your life for the foreseeable future. You can begin to build on that and tweak that as you read other books and as you level up. But starting with this book, read it with those two open-mindedness and you are going to read this book as if it's your instruction kit. After you read it the first time, you might only understand 10% of it. 90% of this book might go straight over your head to where it doesn't make sense or maybe you straight up disagree the first time you read it. Give it a little bit of time. Read it again. Chances are second time, you're going to understand 10, 15, 20% more. And keep at it. Next time, the second time you read through it, break out a highlighter and just start highlighting some things that stand out as resonating with you. Take notes if you need to. As you come up with ideas, um, write them down. 
not only highlight, but also write ideas down if you need to. So my book is marked up like crazy and I do it in different color highlighter too. So you could see uh, the different times that I've read through and come up with different things that I want to make happen. It's so cool reading back through these notes too and seeing how many things I've, I have been able to check off that list. It's awesome. Um, where did I mark my page here? And do it. Try it. If you have questions, send me a message inside of the app and start asking these type of, of questions because um, what I've realized is it's really, it's it's all kind of one and the same. It's like, it's r almost as if running into somebody that really has a faith in like, let's say they're religious or let's say somebody's just very Christian, like a Cameron cam. And uh, truly has like learned to develop a faith. That's what this is. I would I would describe this as as faith as well. You you start to believe a certain way, and everything starts going your way in a sense. Even when they don't, you learn how to create the perspective to where you're learning something and you're solving a problem, and all of a sudden something that could have been so negative is now a positive. I had a whirlwind of the last couple of months and nowhere along that way that I panic. I just stuck to the course, solved problems like nobody's business. And at the end of it, we're in a better spot. And I knew we would be. I just didn't know how exactly. And you don't always have to know how. Uh, I wanted to read a, just one quick paragraph from this and then just speak a couple of things about it. I didn't really pick this out ahead of time. I just opened it up to this page as the drag car was flying down the street for no reason. Um, and this book talks a lot about money, but you can read it also um, more so as a, an instruction manual on how to be happy or how to create success, which doesn't have to be monetary success. You can just say happiness, and this book will teach you how to do that also. It's all one and the same. Uh, this reads... Poverty is attracted to the ones whose mind is favorable to it, as money is attracted to him whose mind has been de deliberately prepared to attract it, and through the same laws. Poverty consciousness will voluntarily seize the mind which is not occupied with the money consciousness. A poverty consciousness develops without conscious application of habit, habits favorable to it. The money consciousness must be created to order unless one is born with such a consciousness. Okay, so I've learned a lot about consciousness, by the way, in the last six months or so. Conscious, being conscious uh, is not, it's not frequent. Uh, a lot of scientists will say that you are conscious for 5% of your day. You're subconscious for 95% of it. So when you've created, uh, when they say creating a money conscious, what that means is creating your, your subconscious mind, which is essentially that's your computer program, to have a perspective and to have um, intention of wealth, of, of money, of being able to easily attract money, anything that you could say that is positive about, the, about being able to make money. Money grows on trees, money flows easily, whatever um, 
whatever you know positive thing you want you want to actually learn to believe if that is becomes downloaded into your subconscious into your computer program that's what that means is creating a money consciousness most people's default is the opposite i believe because i think that's where most people are raised in environments like that i was raised by uh, mom and dad that you know one side of my family was uh both sides were living paycheck to paycheck and still are. One, uh, my mom, yeah, my mom and dad, but man, everybody around me would always just tell me that money is incredibly hard to earn. When you do earn it, save, save, save. Don't spend it. Um, don't be like your dad when it comes to money. Don't buy stupid stuff. Like a lot of don't, don't do this, don't do that. Um, but certainly nothing that would have told me that money was, was easy to make and that you could make infinite amount of money. It, it just decides, you just have to decide how much you want to make. Um, that took a long, long time for me to understand and believe. Allie still doesn't believe it. When we have our arguments, we don't really have arguments, but when we have our disagreements, money is usually one of the topics. And for Allie, she still has that fear that was ingrained into her when she was little and thinking that it's going to run short or, and also that it's going to, and it needs to cause strain in a relationship and, uh, doesn't for me, the, the way that I perceive money and my perspective on money, it is all positive. It's all positive. But that paragraph basically just sums up really quickly that it's where your intention lies and it's where your attention is so you could judge a moment you could judge something however you want you could choose to perceive it as a positive thing or as a negative thing you could perceive money is difficult to make or you could perceive it as really easy to make that is your choice and depending on what your reality is is what will reflect as your actual reality playing out in real life and you can decide you can decide and it just it takes time it takes time. And then over here on the next couple paragraphs later, it, talk, it starts diving into persistence. It says, there is no substitute for persistence. It cannot be supplemented by any other quality. Remember this, and it will hearten you in the beginning when the going may seem difficult and slow. Those who have cultivated the habit of persistence seem to enjoy insurance against failure. So when you're learning to think these ways, all of the different things that it tells you in this book, Persistence is key because some of these qualities, developing some of those qualities, truly believing some of the things you're going to start to tell yourself you want to believe, it's going to be difficult at first. And your subconscious mind, which is your emotions and it, what feeds you kind of all of these thoughts that your inner dialogue, it's what you're, when you're talking to yourself, that's your sub subconscious and that's your conscious recognizing what those thoughts are. It's going to fight back. Your subconscious wants to stay the way that it is. Um, so when you're creating change, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be unfamiliar. And um, just know that that's the case with anybody, I would imagine. I'm sure everybody experiences different levels of difficulty and kind of feedback from themselves on, I should quit now. You're not doing it quick enough. Everybody has that negative, negative self-talk and that negative self-conscious to some extent, whether it's all of it, 50% of it, 
uh, a fraction of a percentage of it. Everybody's got it. Persistence is what will carry you beyond that. You'll continue to work on it and it will get a little easier and a little easier. You'll get a little better and a little better and you'll keep leveling up and then you become obsessed and you become addicted and the momentum is outrageous. It's amazing, the momentum. Um, it's crazy. My, we, I mean, we went from not owning a home in 2019 to buying a house a year and going from zero employees to eight employees to the company not having, not having a company to creating a, a business rebranding from AJ Cat and Zero Moto X Academy to the Moto Academy, which was the best decision I ever made. And having a business of that, a, million, a multi-million dollar business that now functions pretty darn autonomously. And it's only been three or four years. If you stick with something long enough and you have that vision for what the future is, uh, it's quite amazing what you can accomplish. Sorry if I was diving and jumping around um, this whole podcast. It's hard to keep me on the rails when I'm just talking to myself. It's been an hour, according to that. I don't know how long of a break I took when the drag car was flying down our street. Uh, but yeah, order that book, Think and Grow Rich. For those three people still listening, shout out Driver Jamie. Shout out Christian, new, newest trip winner. And uh, shout out, who else is still listening to this probably? Shout out Sean Wilhite. He's listening to this, and I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong still. Um, what else is new? Allie's having a baby in four weeks. By the time this comes out, probably one week. Holy cow. Uh... So, and that was part of the motivation to get me into these books as well and to learn more because I wanted to kind of wrap my head more around a philosophy and a way of thinking. Still haven't done that. But I was like, when I have a kid, I want to just know more. I want to be able to help them think the right ways so they're not digging themselves out of a 30-year hole and trying to learn how to think when they're a full-blown adult. Not that that's impossible. It's never too late to change. But you can certainly be at a higher level at a younger age if you have really, really uh, specific, intentional guidance from that young age. Uh, and I'm excited to experiment with that and see what that's about. Moto Academy Ride Day coming up October 29th for the two people still listening, and I hope you can make it. It's our first ride day. If you're inside of the app, it's free. It's free. It's free for you. I'm paying for it. So that's uh, going to get expensive, but worth it. We're going to have merch there. We're going to have like six or seven brand new merch items that haven't come out yet online. So you'll be able to get them at class. Moto Academy Georgia merch that we ordered and uh, are now going to probably just give away to everybody. Don't know if we should do that because it's got a got Georgia on it. But who really cares? Moto Academy is way bigger than the little Georgia is. So it'll work. Uh, and I think that's it. I think that is it. And that stuff will, for those of you that can't make the ride day, that merch is going to drop in November at some point. We're working on, we have all the items shot at this point. They look really cool. The The shoot that man friend Daniel did, shout out. 
uh, looks very, very good. Now we're just working on the landing page for that shop website. So I wanted to really have the feel of it being its own apparel brand, not just like merch, if that makes sense. So, okay, that's it. I'm going to go uh, to the gym, just getting jacked. Shout out Matt Flood for the workout program. And then that is all. I'm going to ride my dirt bike tomorrow. Okay, guys, number one podcast in motocross, Moto Academy podcast. Thank you for listening. Rate it five stars, whatever the heck you got to do. Subscribe to the Moto Academy app, club.themotoacademy.com. And we'll see you guys next episode. Thanks for being part of the Moto Academy community. Toodaloo.